Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, clearly a lot of people are not pleased with the announcement that was made on Thursday having to do with ride sharing, ride hailing and knowing that it will be at least the fall of 2019 unless something changes until we see that in the province of British Columbia. Well, joining us on the line is Ian Tostenson. He is the president spokesperson for ride sharing now for BC. Ian, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Joel. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, has anything changed in your view since Thursday? Well, no, and I have to kind of apologize to you because you and I were talking on Thursday at the announcement, and I actually thought, and I think you saw me, I actually believe the minister had said that they're doing legislation applications and that we were moving ahead as of 2018. So when you looked at me and said, kind of like, are you all right with this timeline? I didn't realize <laughs> until after I read the press release the confusion that she was talking 2019. Well, there was a lot of confusion at that because even during the announcement, I was on Twitter and I was getting emails from my colleagues going, wait a minute, why does she keep saying the fall of this year? Because clearly it's it's the fall of next year. And I think that was, that was done on purpose. And it, we had to get clarification after the news conference to make sure that it wasn't a typing error. I know. And I, and I actually even talked to the minister even before we went into that press conference and thanked her for being so proactive. She kind of looked at me like I had, you know, so, um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking about this. I mean, we've, t- we've talked at length about the benefits of ride-sharing in the economy, and, and what you've been talking about this morning is and awesome. I think that the question now is, how do we deal with, as a public deal, you know, we have a taxi lobby that's stopping this. I actually believe the Premier would do this if there wasn't politics involved. And I think if he could, if he could do this and not face the, the backlash of the taxi lobby, um, so I don't think he's the big bad guy in this whole thing. I think he's trying to wrestle with how does he save his government from getting unelected because of this taxi lobby. And I was reading throughout the world, I, I mean, this taxi pushback to uh, Uber and Lyft is incredible. It's, it's worldwide. It's really organized. And I, you know, I, sort of see, I can see why they're tentative by doing this. So our job, I think, needs to do a couple things is to really get the public involved in um, engaging with the governments uh, to encourage them to do this. And somehow, you know, we, I, I don't know, we just had this report that's about the taxi industry and what to do with the taxi industry, but no one's done a report about how to bring the taxi industry and ride-sharing together and make it work to any common sense. And, and I, I, impl- I, I wish the taxi industry would come to the table. They never come on and comment on the radio shows. They never sort of present the position besides... You know, Uber and Lyft is unfair and we don't want it. That's just, in my world, not acceptable anymore. Do we have examples of where Uber and Lyft are in other cities and other towns? Because they are, as we know, around the world. We, we constantly hear from the taxi industry that they've gone into these places and they've decimated the taxi industry. Do we have examples of that? Because we also hear that they can coexist. Toronto is um, uh, in Toronto suburbs. The taxi industry is doing just fine. In fact, I think it's up. Uh, taxi rides in Calgary, I've seen some stats. Uh, the taxi industry is doing just fine in Calgary, and that's been about, I think, about a year since Uber and Lyft have been there. There is some, some initial problems in Ottawa that I read this morning uh, when uh, Uber came in, and I think the taxi industry took a bit of a hit by about 20%. But it just, when the taxi industry decides to be competitive and get out of the sort of protected mode that they're in, they flourish. So... Cities I've seen taxis in um, that are full-on ride-sharing in taxis uh, recently in Nashville and Washington, D.C., it's fine. And, and, and you see a lot of the um, taxi drivers are also driving for Lyft and Uber. They literally will change their sign in the car. 
and they appear to be having a happy life. So I think we just need to understand that that um, uh, that somehow we have to get the tax industry, and they'll never admit this, I'm just being, this is utopia, to sort of say, hey, look, I mean, part of Thursday's, well, most of Thursday's announcement was all about how to protect the tax industry even more. And there's ways of doing it, you know, give them exclusive um, pickup at the airport, maybe, maybe a couple of years, maybe give them some, some buy out towards some of their licenses. There's a number of things we can do here that I don't think the government's explored yet. And we're hoping, I think, collectively, that, you know, ridesharingnow.com is, is a collection of uh, business associations. Um, as you saw on Thursday, Jill, the Canadian Institute of the Blind, uh, BC Epileptic Society, we're not doing this to hurt anybody. We're doing this to sort of bring what we believe is another level of, of opportunity for the economy. I was um, reading a report from Lyft, which for your listeners is just like Uber, and they estimate the economic value of uh, ride-sharing in Vancouver alone is $35 million a year in extra money it gets spent in shops and services because people can <clears throat> be more convenient getting around. So I, I just it's going to be a real challenge, but I'm hoping that, you know, instead of waiting to 2019, because you're right, um, 2019 is when they start taking applications, and we're really talking 2020 here. And I just think that, you know, the Liberals did this for four or five years. They studied it, and enough is enough. So how do we get the good government to feel confident to move quicker? That's the question. And it really does come down, it comes down to choice. It comes down to what consumers want and what consumers are comfortable with, and also the product. And I, I get this impression from the taxi industry that they don't understand if you are giving somebody a product that they want, they will continue to purchase it. They will continue to use it. Yeah. And, and that's not going to change if there's a choice, if somebody still wants to take a taxi, enjoys the taxi, and is getting a good experience. Absolutely. I mean, on the North Shore, I mean, North Shore Taxi, they've been great. I mean, they were great to our kids growing up. We had a cab account for them. They were safe. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily switch them. I would switch them because like, sometimes I can't get them when they get busy, and it gets frustrating. But, um, no, absolutely. And, I, and the demographics on ride-sharing kind of split. It's kind of more millennials uh, with, with their app on their phone that tend to do more ride-sharing, and it tends to be the older people that like to do taxis. So there's always going to be a market, and there's always going to be a market, as you say, for good service. I mean, a good, clean, taxi-friendly guy that knows the city, that's going to win out every time, whether you're Uber, Lyft, or a taxi company. But um, we have, you know, I think what's been seen in cities is that the model of taxi licensing has protected the taxi industry so much that they really haven't had to focus that much in customer service. And, you know, adding 300 more cabs to Vancouver just is not going to do anything, in my opinion. And even talking about limiting Uber and Lyft uh, cars and geographical restrictions, that to me is, is someone who doesn't understand the model. It's, it's a model, as you discussed earlier, that, that it's like an accordion. It goes up and down depending on demand. You can't limit. You can't say, well, we're going to have 10, 10 you know, Uber cars in Vancouver. That's just, that just defeats the whole purpose. You're right. It does seem to to be either somebody who doesn't understand the whole mechanism, what makes it operate, or what, again, what the consumers want. That's right. Uh, what do you think about this idea, though? And, and I find it, uh, I suppose, comical, if it wasn't so frustrating, that we are constantly told, oh, well, it's all about your safety. Oh, boy. I, tell you, I, I mean, in our industry now, so in the, in the restaurant industry, having servers waiting at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, to try to get home to Burnaby or Coquitlam, or taking uh, public transit and have nowhere to go from that public transit to their home 
or uh, people left stranded in the streets. And we know the stories that go on and on. That, to me, is a public safety issue. The, you know, having people drinking and driving. I used this example today, but Nashville's drinking and driving went down by 30% because people had the convenience to do it. We've got cannabis coming in, in, this, in the fall. You know, this is a great opportunity to make more rides available for people. So I don't buy the argument about being safe because the Lyft and Uber are highly regulated. They're going to have to have the same strict standards on driver checks, criminal checks, car checks, all those different things. And they have to do that because that's their brand. And if they come off that, um, they'll lose. I mean, they'll, they'll lose the brands they're developing, which is this high standard of customer service. So I don't buy the, the whole safety thing. It's just it's a stall with the, uh, the government. And um, like for reasons we talked about at the beginning, I get why they're doing it. But they got to get off that kind of stuff. It also seemed very odd that uh, this idea, first of all, that you need to change six pieces of legislation suggests you've got way too much legislation already, and <laughs> then that it's going to take a year for ICBC to come up with insurance. Well, the original promise was to have this, what, by 2017? So the fact that ICBC hasn't been looking at this, uh, this seems incredibly odd. Yeah, well, the Liberals, we, I mean, they actually announced it and said, you know, when we get reelected, it's going to be by Christmas. And so ICBC has the product. I know they have the product. And um, so that, the, you know, that, again, it's just it's, it's another tactic to say it's so complicated. I kind of laughed when she said, you know, why is why, someone from Victoria asked, well, why is BC so different? She said, well, so many levels of government. I went, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, municipal governments and local governments. And it just, they've got this thing confused. It's not that complicated. And the guy that I think really needs to push this and stand up to it is Andrew Weaver because he's he's talked about this, he's sponsored it, he feels passionate about it. He he could he could make it happen, and I hope the Green Party um, shines in this one because that would be very helpful. It would. Uh, what's next for you now that we uh, have we've had this uh, and and again comical that it was referred to as an exciting announcement on Thursday. Uh, we have this, I suppose, update delay. What's next for your group? Um, I think we're going to huddle um, with everybody and see how we can find an added value approach to the government. We don't, this is not a battle between us and the government. We want to we want to work with them. I said to the minister, we really want to see if we can sit down and talk about how we can help them implement this. I think Uber's made the same um, uh, point the other day about we can work with government to do this, and so they've they've talked to the taxi industry. They had this all party committee, but they really haven't listened to us. And we want to show them what the benefits are. We want to see if we can be innovative in terms of how we can help the taxi industry sort of adapt to the new whole thing. And, I'm, and I think the call is going to be, uh, how can the taxi industry, you know, will they join that? That will be the big test. But we're hoping the government will listen to us and, not, and just not sort of listen to this whole taxi thing. And um, so we're going to work hard on that before, between now and the legislation, legis- pardon me, the fall, when they bring in legislation with the idea of trying to get, uh, you know, pick up six months to eight months or nine months uh, and shorten the time period. Because I really, you know, something tells me in my stomach, Jill, that I'm not so sure if they really want to do this anyways. I mean, they're saying 2021, but even now I lost a bit of confidence when I thought about this after Thursday. I don't know that they're really, really wanting to push push it. I didn't hear this 2021, we're going to be, you know, because the questions were asked, it wasn't definitive. And she should have said, legislation, we're going to have ride-sharing in 2021. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. We would have lived with that, but it's applications in 2021. This could go on for years. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Ian, we will talk about it again, I'm sure.